0: One. Some councils are auditing schools and urging a ban on the terms boy and girl. For those who are in
1: an open or polyamorous relationship, your relationships are holy.
0: A gay black woman's victim status is less than that of a black trans woman who ranks below a black Muslim trans woman. We don't want to just win the argument about sexuality. We want to use this as a gospel opportunity. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
1: time as long as we're talking about emancipation this is wretched radio perhaps a tour through history not with an intention to throw any fuel on the racial animosity flames but As long as we're discussing the freedom of a large group of people in America, let's take a little look-see at some of the Christians who contributed to that emancipation. Why? Well, there tends to be a rumor that all Christians are horribly racist. Now, that's a Gnostic (laughs) insinuation that cannot be verified. Nevertheless, we are told that Christians historically and in the south there were slave owners there were even some great christians like jonathan edwards who owned slaves and we certainly can't erase that reality from the history books but perhaps maybe possibly a little bit of balance perhaps might help us to present the christian faith as one that is not inherently racist It's not a white man's religion. There was actually a pretty nifty article. I've never heard of this fellow. His name is Abdu Murray, writing in the Christian Post. It's called The Ethnic Mosaic of Christianity, and he talks about Pentecost and what happened there, because you've heard that accusation, haven't you? Christianity, it's a white man's religion, colonizing people, imposing their faith on others. Well... That's not what history teaches us. We have to go back to the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. Jewish people, by conversion, not by ethnicity, well, some probably were. They were dispersed, but they were coming back to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. At least 15 different ethnicities visited Jerusalem. Fifteen ethnicities were hanging out when the Holy Spirit fell down. Peter started preaching, and many thousands, three of them specifically, were converted. Those were Arabs, North Africans, Romans. Now, that alone should erase the untruth, because you can't say lie, the untruth that Christianity is a white man's religion? The gospel does not ethnically homogenize, it spiritually unifies, writes Murray. On Pentecost, 3,000 people, Europe, Africa, Middle East, and Asia were the seedlings of the Christian faith. Not to mention, you know, the Jewish people in Israel, like, you know, the disciples and oh yeah, The Messiah himself was Jewish and most likely brown skinned, not black skin, not white skin, brown skin, which you can't help but wonder (laughs) why God did that. Maybe it's so that nobody really could claim him as our ethnic Messiah. Back to Murray, within the first three centuries of nascent Christianity, it's also the birth of Christianity if you prefer, Jimmy. North Africans were among the most influential church fathers. You got yourself Tertullian, Origen, Augustine, or Augustine if you're from Florida, and Athanasius, all Africans. They were the most influential thinkers and theologians of the first few centuries. So, should you happen to be one of those white individuals who believes that Christianity is a white person's religion? First of all, you've got to deal with Jesus, you've got to deal with the disciples, you've got to deal with the 15 ethnic groups at Pentecost, and you've got to deal with the early church fathers. They were from Northern Africa. This is you you can do this study sometime if you'd like to. would be fruitful there there's always been christian epicenters have you noticed that that there's always been a hotbed of christianity that has been a zip code that has been extremely productive when it comes to uh, writing creedal statements production of music north africa was one of those places rome obviously great britain another Then america so if we see Christianity lose its influence in America, it's a pretty safe bet that God has got another site in mind to be that epicenter for Christian resources and for Christian clarity. If that happens, I except for the fact that it would just be a bummer because, well, we're in America. Well, we shouldn't be disappointed that God has moved the epicenter to a different location. We've seen that throughout history. In the early days, writes Murray, darker skinned people were the pulse of the church and effectuated positive changes in the West. Today, Christianity, where's it growing? Where's Christianity exploding right now? It's clearly not in America. It is all over the globe. The message of the gospel is not colorblind because it's aware that people have different levels of melanin, but it basically doesn't care. It's about God saving people of every tribe, every tongue, every nation, so that he can create a transnational community to display, he's the one who can fix racism, I know we've had some contributors to helping make advancements when it comes to the sin of racism, but Jesus is the only one who's going to fix it, totally and completely. One day, when he assembles his bride together to show I'm the one who can do it, bad try, everybody. You didn't even come close. But I did. That is why we even have ethnic groups. By the way, speaking of Great Britain and its waning influence when it comes to Christianity and its Christian presence, this was from, oh, look at that, another article from the Christian Post. Well, look at those guys. This is Bill Connor, and he's citing a 2021 UK census. The percentage of those who identify as Christian fell 13 points in Great Britain over a decade. That's the sound of Christianity shriveling, which I'm not sure how accurate that sound effect was, but you get the point from 59% to 46%. Yikes. The previous decade, the numbers fell 72% Christian to 59% in 2011. So in other words, for the last couple of decades, they've been shrinking. Now, this is worth considering if you are a church and you are feeling the pressure to compromise i don't know say on the role of women or something consider this by the way christian and missionary alliance they decided to start ordaining women as pastors bummer those claiming no religion have risen exponentially to 37% in the 2021 census. We're in Great Britain if you recall. Many mainline denominational churches have attempted to liberalize and become more relevant to modern society and the nuns. The liberalization that they have introduced has invariably meant moving away from always understood, previously accepted church doctrine. These denominations, have brought the opposite results they sought. They're shrinking. All of the evangelical denominations, on the other hand, are growing. All the mixed denominations declining. The liberal ones declining the most. Those who are upholding Christian values, upholding the authority of the Bible, they're growing. Let that be a... Now, you should... You should stay biblical because it's the right thing to do. I'm just telling you, Canada, Great Britain, statistically the only churches that are growing, they happen to be Bible churches from, oh no, this is like a Christian post fest. Well, good on them. They're producing some good articles to make sure that we understand a fuller painting of the Christian contribution to the issue of racism and slavery Seven Christian men or movements who helped end slavery in America, the Quakers. Did you know that? Freeing slaves. They founded the Providence Society for abolishing the slave trade. They campaigned against slavery. Two, Samuel Seawall, Puritan, Massachusetts, wrote The Selling of Joseph in 1700. It was an anti-slavery book using the Bible to say "Mm, mm, 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 no man selling. Number three, Samuel Hopkins, he died in 1803. He was a disciple of Jonathan Edwards, who we have, he had household slaves himself. It's kind of a mixed bag with Jonathan Edwards on that subject, but one of his students published a pamphlet, a dialogue concerning the slavery of the Africans, calling them our brethren and children. It was the duty of the United States to free them. Jonathan Edwards, the younger, his son. He wrote an address to Americans upon slave keeping. He preached against slavery. Lyman Beecher, another Christian who said, man selling, it is a sl- The abuse of a human being, it is a sin. And so while we can't make the slavery issues of Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield go away, let's remember there were others who fought or emancipation who were Christians. This is Wretched Radio. How's inflation been treating you? If costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home, would you please visit MediShare.com slash Wretched. Affordable biblical health sharing Christians, paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years it works and the members including myself and mrs friel love it which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance if inflation has got you down call up the people at medishare 84434bible or medisharecom Wretched.
2: you know what used to be a movie is now our sad reality we're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault, but we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Booznitz, and they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2, tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny, contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modest and apparel persecution secular entertainment environmentalism 22 issues to be exact so what are you waiting for head on over to wretched.org grab your copy of wretched worldview 2 and hey while you're there snag that study guide tune because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad 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 world with wisdom and grace
1: Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched.
0: Important dates in Christian history. 432 A.D. After escaping years of slavery in Ireland as a young man, Patrick, a British Christian, returns to Ireland as a missionary. His work results in multitudes of Irish people coming to the Christian faith. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Ah, sophistry
1: it's everywhere this is wretched radio perhaps you have witnessed or you've been the victim of the war of words when liberals progressives they will take a word redefine it slap it down and say what was once evil is now good or they will take an aspect of an evil ideology or action find presumably something potentially good inside of it focus exclusively on that and say therefore the evil thing is now Good. What is that? It's called sophistry. An article from the American reformer in response to an article from the Scientific American, please try to follow along with the articles that we're citing, actually defines sophistry for us. And we see it everywhere these days. Plato portrayed Socrates as a man fixated on the rational quest for truth at all costs. That's what The love of wisdom should be about we want to know truth. We want to understand reality as it really is. That's what makes a philosopher a philosopher. The sophist, on the other hand, tells young men from leading families, I can provide valuable training in how to debate effectively and win arguments. Such skills come in handy in swaying the crowds and getting political power. So for Plato, philosophy, search for truth, sophistry is not. Sophistry is about winning. Plato describes sophistry as recognizing no objective standard of truth. Does that sound familiar? Every man does that which is right in his own eye, because hey, there is no absolute truth, which reduces all claims then to power plays. And that's exactly what we see. No truth is valid truth, but my truth, it is better than yours (laughs) because you got the power or you've got the narrative or you got the media or you got popular opinion behind it. So it's it's a power play when we don't have absolute truth. Modern sophists seek to clothe queer theory, which reduces all truth claims to power plays. That's what intersectionality is all about. It robes it in natural sciences, that there's more than two genders, it's, well, that's scientific, as we're going to hear in a moment. The result can only be the ideological capture and destruction of science by irrational ideology. In other words, liberals have invaded science, and that is precisely what the American reformer is responding to. There was an article, inside of the Scientific American. And the Scientific American boldly claimed there are more than two genders. That's science. And you'd go, wait, whoa, 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 that's that's the opposite of what is true. Well, how did they get away with making such an unscientific claim in a scientific journal? And the answer is sophistry. The article in the Scientific American begins with a distortion of the facts by stating, quote, only a few scientists recognize the sex binary. <laughs> really? Well, in fact, all scientists in history have recognized it because it's like the second most obvious thing on the planet. You say, what's the first most obvious? God exists. So if you can deny that God exists, the most obvious thing, then denying the second most obvious thing, there are two genders, pink and blue, XX and XY. That's a no-brainer at that point. Hey, you've already swallowed the camel. Taken the gnat in, that shouldn't be any difficulty at all. Scientists have always understood the gender binary, except for a few recent contemporary ones who are intimidated by non-scientific activists who have seized control of scientific organizations to enforce conformity to their ideological agenda. So what did this guy do? He He made a claim, not substantiated. Maybe he can find one or two people. Well, these days it's a growing number simply because you better get with the program or you're gonna get fired or you won't get the grant or you'll never have a peer reviewed paper. Uh, that's sophistry. That isn't arguing the truth. Further, the author in The Scientific American misrepresents the position of his opponents by saying that they point to one feature of human biology as the basis of sex binary, namely male and female gametes. There's just a problem with that. No biologist would ever say that there is that's that's all there is to the sex binary reproductive organ. That's it. There's nothing more. Nobody claims that. But he states that these people claim that that's what makes the gender binary. That's wrong. Well, that's wrong to represent that position. That is sophistry. Males heavier. Males different bone structures than females. They have different hormone levels. Genitalia, different and complementary. Every cell in the body is either XX or XY. But this is a classic technique of sophistry. You fail to recognize the true scope of your adversary's claims, focus on one point you believe to be weakest, and then claim to have reviewed your adversary's overall position. That's another demonstration of sophistry. And there's a gazillion of them, by the way, because sophistry is all about not seeking truth. It is about winning the argument. This is my opinion. I've got to figure out a clever way to sell it to people or impose it on people. Scientific American claims this is bad science. Well, yeah, it would be bad science if people actually adhered to that definition but nobody does that. So the author in The Scientific American pretends the opponents say that, but never quotes anybody who said it. It's just ridiculous argumentation. And you're seeing it everywhere. For instance, you'd be seeing it in the pro-life debate. What it what boy, that war of words, huh? They're pro-choice. Oh, yeah. It's good for people to have a choice. That's what marketing is based on. Well, oh, choice. Yeah, they gotta have a choice. You can't impose values on people. Well, wait a second. There's more to the argument than that. It's not about imposing values. It's about seeking truth. What is it in there? And the answer is it's a baby. But that sounds a little too human. So what did the sophists do? They changed the name, make it a little more scientific and call it a fetus. Because you can you can remove a fetus. Removing a baby, dismembering a baby. Sure sounds nasty. Well, because it is. Focus on the family. Just released what you're about to hear. This is really clever. It's a minute long commercial. I think they're airing it on different TV networks. That'll let them. And it just reveals brilliantly sophistry in the pro-life movement. A man is pacing the floor in his living room. His wife comes out with that little white stick. Oh, what's it gonna be? Focus on the family. Well?
0: It's positive.
1: We're having a fetus. Having a fetus? We're having a fetus. Having a fetus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now another couple sitting in, oh, I don't know, pre-born, one of the pre-born <laughs> life centers <laughs> network of clinics, and they're looking at their ultrasound. What do they see?
2: Yeah. Would you look at that?
1: Hi, Fetus. <gasps> Hi, Fetus. As she touches the screen, focus on the family getting a little I don't want to use the word sarcastic, but I think it might be a little bit of sarcasm, a little bit of revealing the futility of changing a word to deny that which is obvious. By the way, don't forget preborn network clinics they're in the battle every day for the life of fetus. I almost did it. Life of babies, which is clearly what is revealed when a woman receives a free ultrasound. Please keep supporting Preborn. If you haven't, would you please consider doing so? Wonderful ministry. And they always preach the gospel to people who are considering terminating the life of their baby. Preborn.org slash wretched, org slash wretched. Hey. Couple, couple of guys jogging down the street.
0: Got names yet? For the fetus? We've got a few we like. Focus on the family. Would like to remind you that no matter where you are on your pregnancy journey. It's almost here. Keep pushing. Your fetus is doing great. Call it what you want, but the truth does not change. You want to feel the fetus care? Yeah. Um, it's a baby it's
1: still a baby uh-huh brilliant that's from itsababy.com focus on the family uh, revealing sophistry it ain't after the truth honestly if, if you i guess if you have to boil it all down to like what is it really after wickedness evil doing whatever we want because we don't care about truth. We've already rejected and denied the most obvious truth there is, and we're gonna suppress all of it so we can be off to the sin races. This is
2: Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. First up, a court case that makes us all thankful for religious freedom. Joe Biden tried to force Christian doctors to perform abortions. You remember that? Well, a group of doctors fought back, claiming their religious beliefs prevented them from doing so. And guess what? The court ruled in their favor. So it looks like, at least for the time being, we still have the freedom to believe what we want in this country. I guess depending on where you live. Next up, a health clinic in Colorado has caused a bit of controversy. Apparently, they hosted a drag queen story hour for kids with autism. Now, I know it's hard to believe, but I'm no medical expert. But something tells me that this is not exactly the best way to help kids with autism. Maybe they should stick to more traditional methods like, I don't know, actual medical treatment? Moving on, there are summer camps taking place in the U.S. that are specifically designed for transgender kids. the camps are for children as young as four years old and include activities like chest binding and drag shows yeah call me old-fashioned but i think dodgeball and arts and crafts time are probably more appropriate summer camp activities and in some surprising news planned parenthood has withdrawn its challenge to a kentucky law that prohibits abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy did they finally realize that it's not just a clump of cells anymore no probably not but we'll take the victories where we can get them In other news, Walt Disney Company's chief diversity officer has resigned after a series of box office failures and criticism for the company's handling of the pandemic and workplace harassment allegations. Maybe Disney's finally realizing the key to making a good movie is making a good movie. And in Virginia, Fairfax County Public Schools are under scrutiny for concealing information from parents. A group of teachers were caught on video discussing how to conceal information about gender transitions from children's parents. And as I'm sharing the story, I'm starting to realize that this really just isn't news anymore, is it? Unfortunately, no. No, it's not. Finally, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services conducted a study that found higher rates of drug abuse and mental illness in the LGBT community. Anyone shocked? Yeah, neither am I. And that's all for today's Wretched News. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Lexicon Faith
0: is not a force we harness or a feeling we get. True biblical faith consists of three things. Knowledge of the truth, agreement with the truth, and a trust in the true God. There is no power in faith itself. The power is in the one we put our faith in. Are you trusting in Christ or in something that cannot deliver? This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
1: Resist the temptation, Friel. Nah, not gonna. This is the music I'm not supposed to be playing, but it's next to the music I'm supposed to be playing, but I couldn't resist playing this music because it's so... (laughs) Resulted, you know, like our God. Desk hand, please. Oh. Oh. oh, come on. Why don't many churches do music like this anymore? I understand resources. And that is why I think we need to be aware that sometimes people's ability to and perform something that would perhaps sound akin to this I, it can be limited i get that but shouldn't there be something about christian music that is you know christian you got country radio you got smooth jazz which isn't really jazz if you ask me with no disrespect to dave Koz, jimmy i met david sanborn once you did i do you know do you know you, you don't even know who david sanborn is <laughs> i
2: don't but i was going to play along
1: thanks for being a friend this was
2: <laughs> thank you for
1: being a friend was that a song or was that from that that but, horrible the older women that were all raunchy thank you for golden gals golden I, girls i know
2: it's an intro to a sh-
1: to a show b arthur was in some bad sitcom <laughs> <Maude>? ooh, <laughs> she bored. was a pro-choice feminist way before it was sort of popular thank you for being a I,
2: I don't know is what that, that's from uh from I the golden what, girls is it from the golden Girls? would you quit
1: interrupting
2: me sorry
1: the song that i was what was the song that i was referring to <laughs> <laughs> smooth jazz dave sanford that's it <laughs> Look, it's been a bit of a day here. We've had Greg Gifford in town and we've been starting at sun up and meeting. Last night, we met met till nine o'clock. I learned some things last night with Greg. Dr. Greg Gifford is in town. He's the host of Transformed and the Transformed podcast. And we actually spent the day doing a lot of work together. He's been here all week. He's been a real soldier. And we went to the gym together and i learned that despite his ability to just keep on keep on doing ministry he's weak he's oh. he's just not that strong jimmy i thought he was a little bit you know manlier uh, yeah. i didn't know what other word to choose i'm just saying he just did a series on manhood yeah, i know <laughs> <laughs> actually and we just posted a video on biblical manly it's just an effort to try to help sort the issues And in trying to figure for young men to figure out what does it mean to be a man? Truth is, Greg's Greg's kind of Greg's kind of both (laughs) beefy. He's pretty. I tried to avoid him so that he couldn't see what I was doing because I was that scrawny guy (laughs) trying to pick up a bar. Not with weights on it, just picking up the bar. It was a little humiliating for me. You know, Jimmy, everybody at the gym, though. Uh, they are very impressed with me. These are, these are, these are some good guys that uh, they are so ironic. They call me Bambi because <laughs> I'm sure they're just being ironic because of my legs being uh, <laughs> about the size of a pixie stick. David Sanborn is a smooth jazz artist who plays the saxophone. Wow, this is a flashback. I think it was at the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis. I was, I was going to open for him and I went to shake his hand and he's kind of a slight fellow and I just grabbed his hand and it cracked inside of my hand. He actually kind of pulled back and people paid money to come and see him. That's my association with smooth jazz, which is kind of like jazz, only not with all due respect to the man whose hand I
2: once crushed. So... You said he played the saxophone. Yeah. So you almost ruined the show.
1: Yeah, but I was just about to move on, too. So you just did ruin this (laughs) show. I do that every day. Well, that is true. (laughs) You know what? It's kind of growing on me, to be honest, Jimmy. (laughs) What is? What are you ruining the show Uh, every day? It's kind of like. It's it's a thing. A day without you biffing it just doesn't feel exactly right. It's not a day. Country, rock and roll. People hear and they go, I know what that is. I, that that sound, that's it. W- why don't we have music that is distinctly Christian anymore? Would anybody walk into this church and go, oh, we're gonna do some mushrooms and smoke the bong? No, they're gonna go, whoa, uh, uh, there's a church here. They're singing about God. If country music can have a genre, no offense, country music, not that I haven't offended every genre yet. Why don't we have a Christian genre that's actually reflective of God's character and nature? I get it. Churches have limitations. But perhaps, oh, maybe we should be striving to do the best, most exalted music we can that reflects the attributes of God and tells the world what we are doing here is special. But that's not the music that I was supposed to play. The music that I was supposed to play is perhaps a little bit more familiar church news. Hey, speaking of churches and music, wow. You know, there are a lot of days when I'll look at the program notes and realize my attention span was a little shorter than even its short average. I'm going to be at today's notes (laughs) did i mention we got up early this morning and yesterday and the day before (laughs) that's right i'm actually whining about doing ministry wow shame on me jimmy shame on me speaking of churches and music We just had another church meeting. That's right, we did right here in northern Atlanta because we want to start a church that actually does have exalted music. Now, it might not sound like those magnificent choirs with a fantastic orchestra because, well, we're going to be limited, aren't we? But it's going to be a church that strives to be theological in everything. By the way, if you would like to come and visit us to learn more. We've got two more of these informational meetings, something like interest meetings. That's what they call them. Church gurus call them interest meetings. We're going to be having two more. You can visit. Jimmy, tell everybody what website they can visit for Alpharetta Bible Church.
2: Uh, uh, AlpharettaBibleChurch.org? I think so. Okay.
1: Just... Just Google around for you. Okay. You'll, you'll find a Very, very, very popular website. And more church news. I, I, I am giving myself an absolute headache here. Nearly all top 25 worship songs are tied to uh, mega churches. And they ain't good ones. The top 25 worship songs. Bethel had 13 of them. Hillsong, nine. Elevation Church, nine. By the way... Are are Jimmy? Have you heard you 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 get a little bit more into the details of some of these stories? When the Hillsong business happened with Carl Lentz mm-hmm. and whatever is happening with Brian Houston, right? The church, there were p- pastors and churches that said, uh, "Erase the Hillsong off the sign, please." Are there other churches that are following suit? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't. I don't know that I've. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Because that that is a that is a movement that was predictable, it, it and I would also say these these other churches just wait just wait when when something is this a biblical, it's just a matter of time. Oh, here's here's another Greg Gifford. Did I mention Greg Gifford? Stronger than I am. It's all right, I'm working through it. He was commenting on the groups that tend to flaunt their liberty, whatever that is. They flaunt their liberty. You just sit around and wait because it won't be long until you hear a crashing sound and it will be that organization. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, The flaunting of liberties, we have liberties and we can even have disagreements on what those liberties are. But when we are flaunting them, That is verboten, and it is almost a certain sign that you're going to see an organization crash. Speaking of the chosen, thought this was interesting from the Washington Examiner, how this Catholic prayer app is drawing people to faith. Oh, cool. The chosen Jesus performer is involved in that. That is so cool that it's endorsed by Jonathan Rumi. The Jesus character and The Chosen. It's a Catholic prayer app drawing people to faith. Sounds great. Study confirms more U.S. pastors rely on armed congregants as church security. <laughs> That's, they must have done that poll in the South. No, actually, it was only 54% say armed church members are part of the measures they have in place. 81% of Protestant churches, they have security in place of some sort. Uh, personally, I while well, I think it's a sign of the times, it's a commentary on the culture that we live in. I don't think it's sinful to pack heat in church. Uh, you can do it sinfully, but I think there's wisdom that is involved with this. 81% of churches do. 54% rely on church members that are packing heat. It's a sign of the times. Which, Jimmy, if I'm not mistaken, that song, It's a Sign of the Times, Uh it was performed by David Sanborn for the Golden Girls. Really? This is Wretched Radio. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from At Preborn Centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched.
2: Hey, hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. So I have a question. Do you love and appreciate the content we produce here at Wretched? I hope that answer is yes. And if it is, have you ever considered becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner? It's only because of the kindness and generosity of our Gospel Partners that allow us to together spread the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ all over the world to millions of people. So if you're not already an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner, could I ask you to prayerfully consider becoming one? Think about what your life might look like as a Gospel Partner. We're simply asking for your prayerful consideration. Make sure you're not in debt. Make sure you're giving to your local church first and foremost. And if those areas are covered and you could join our mission to reach millions with the gospel, well, then of course, we welcome you with open arms. If you have questions, we have answers. Ratchet.org slash donate is the place to find them. Ratchet, amazing grace, amazing gospel.
1: who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math, it's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International.
0: Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the bread of life. Just as God gave life to his people in the desert by providing manna, so Jesus gives life to his people through his body broken on the cross, which we remember in the breaking of the bread in communion. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
1: Welcome back to Wretched Radio. My name is Todd and I promise to focus, Friel. Focus! Headline, six common patterns in toxic churches that fire pastors. Thumbrainer spends a lot of time with pastors, hears from a lot of pastors, and he tends to accumulate patterns anecdotes that ultimately point toward there's smoke there's probably some fire going on there and he has learned the way different churches go about the business of terminating the employ of the pastor and some of the stories talk about nasty let's see what we can learn about these toxic churches these are the six common patterns of those churches that fire their pastor these tend to emerge number one there is a power and control issue behind the dismissal isn't that isn't that pretty predictable there are just some elders that want to be burger king and run the church their way they don't want the pastor to really exert authority they want to do it the way that they want to do it. And if that pastor doesn't get in line, off with his head. Because they desire power. And I hate, to t- I hate to say this, but power is one of the signs of a false teacher. Now, I'm not saying that this is entirely analogous, but consider Jude. He describes and identifies what it is that motivates false teachers. So does Peter in Second Peter. Money, desire for money. Uh, wickedness, we'll just leave it at that. I think we all know what that means. And power. Eeks. These elders want power. Typically, the pastor has not bowed to the demands and preferences of a power group in the church. That group is often serving on the specific boards or committees that can initiate a firing. At the very least, they have profound influences on those boards and committees. Number two, reasons for the firing. Shh, don't tell the congregation. Now, it might be inappropriate to share some of the details behind it, but that's probably going to be the exception. This is about secrecy. This is about withholding information. Why? Most likely because it was not done wisely or well. Those are these, I got to tell you, I've seen both of these. Thumb isn't making this up. This goes on. Too much. Number three, the pastor is given a severance package in return for his silence. <sighs> Number four, the pastor's family. Well, oh, this is now, okay, all right, this goes beyond toxic. This would be just downright nasty. And Tom Rayner says, no, 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 I have several anecdotes that I can share that this happens. The pastor's family is at least implicitly threatened if the pastor does not leave quietly. What? are you kidding me in several situations in which i have personal awareness of which representatives of the power group let the pastor know that they knew things about the pastor's family that would be exposed if the pastor doesn't walk away quietly most pastors know that these things are lies but they do not want to put their family through false accusations and who could blame them for that in fact if you're a pastor that has been in that position and you just walked away underneath those circumstances I actually think he did the right thing because your first job, your first ministry and duty is to protect your wife and children. And if they are under assault, even if it is from the church that called you to walk away, whether your name is Lorraine or not. No, it's Renee, not Lorraine. It should have been Lorraine. That would have been better. Todd, focus, just focus. Focus. I don't blame you, sir, for walking away. Now, if you're a single pastor or perhaps if your wife is on board and she's prepared for the fight, um, I could understand that too. But I sure wouldn't blame a guy for packing up his grip and finding a, what sort I'm looking for, a church. <clears throat> Number five, the power group demands that the pastor exit quickly. They don't get to say goodbye to the congregation. Just talk to a fellow. That's exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. Don't say a word. Don't say anything. And otherwise, we'll withhold your last paycheck. (sighs) Those people do not have that opportunity, are warned sternly to say nothing negative. On some occasions, the pastors are escorted to their offices to get their belongings and leave. Oh, man, Scylla. Number six, most churches will not question or get involved in this injustice. They don't want to rock the boat. Well, just wait for the new pastor to show up. Fear, avoidance. And that has a really warming effect on the pastor who served you. (laughs) Got to tell you, that that is scandalous treatment of a pastor, here's the tricky part, identifying that potential in your church. How how could you possibly do that? Well, let's not operate on hunches, or I think, as is always the case, I think direct communication is the way to get to the bottom of things. So I would encourage you, as you are getting examined by the elders, examine them. That is entirely fair. You have the right to do that. Look, I love elders. I love pastors. I herald their role a gazillion times here. But I do believe that the submission that is required of an individual who becomes a member of a church that you elder, if that's correct grammar, that's a big deal. We're basically saying, all right, sir, I'm going to trust you with my soul. I'm trusting you with my soul. That's a big deal. So don't be offended if people who are joining your church, oh, it should be done respectfully and it should be done lovingly with honor for certain, but they should be able to do that. And I think we would be wise to ask questions. And any time in your church, you see something that's funky, obviously you need to take a little time, consider what it is, Don't gossip about it. And if you think, you know, I don't think this is right. What should you do? Don't assume the worst. Go talk to them. Do it respectfully. Do it with honor. Do that. And, And you don't want to be interrogating them, but you sure do have the right to ask questions. Jimmy, you ever seen any of that toxic business going on?
2: Yes. And you know it—it it doesn't bode well for the future pastors of that church, if, right? If, if, well, because who's going to want to come in? You know, if 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 I'm up for this job, I'm going to call the pastor that was just there. You should and ask why he left.
1: Yes, yeah. That you know what though—that is a nugget of wisdom. Yeah. If you're in seminary or if you're considering becoming a pastor, you should indeed call the pastor who preceded you and said, "Tell me about your experience." Yeah. Because you don't want to bring your family into what would, well, let's just use the Thom Rainer word, toxic church. Uh, they get to interrogate you. Shouldn't use the word interrogate. It should be a two-way street. Furthermore, I think this is why we need to have high standards for elders. And this is why I, if, if I were going to be congregational in regard to church polity, this might be an area where this and church membership would be one where I'd go, you know, maybe having the congregation involved is really wise because if you've got a power group, now it's not necessarily the elders, but they're the ones who get appointed to that office. And it's such a big deal and it can have such repercussions to have the congregation know the men and even be able to, I'm gonna say it, Vote on who the elders are uh, that that might compromise an elder led church polity, but there might be wisdom in that and the other time when I'd be inclined to go, you know, having the congregation vote now as as a as a rule, I tip to the side of elder led. That you that men are appointed that lead wisely and well. And in general, the congregation submits unless they do something super boneheaded or sinful or, you know, fire a pastor for no reason whatsoever. And so that's why I would say being able to vote on that, because it's such a big deal, would be wise. So would voting on new members. There is wisdom in that. I think we fail to remember. In our country, we we just we, we've we've so overlooked this. We're such a big country that we can really absorb a lot of punishment from bad people doing really bad things. But when you bring it down smaller, it becomes more problematic. And inside of a church, I think we forget that one person can cause a whole lot of havoc. Furthermore, we do not want to say to that person. We are testifying publicly too that you are a born again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're identifying with us as a local expression of the church of Jesus Christ, not of Latter-day Saints. And maybe the congregation should get to know that person for a time and then vote them. I've seen that done. I was actually in North Dakota and I saw that done and I sat back and watched and I went, that is really fascinating. Because the pastor said, now that we've all gotten to know this person for the last three or six months, let's vote. Hmm. Maybe some wisdom in it. Until tomorrow, I'll keep focusing. Go serve your king.